Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, Kate Fiends. We're back, man. Episode 190, a new milestone. Yes, sir. Only 10 away from, from 200 episodes. Yes, sir. We're going to start this shit off spicy, man. Very unfortunate event that happened recently at a Travis Scott concert. And we all know Travis Scott's for his super ab libs that, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. It's lit. What's the other one? Straight up. Yeah, straight up. Straight <laughs> up, yeah. Yo, you know what's so hilarious about that, though? Is Travis Scott has used these same ad libs for many, many years, and I'm still not tired of them. Yeah. I'll be listening to a song. I'm like, yo, where's the straight up at? Yeah, if they don't got it in there, it's like, it feels like something is missing. Where's the yeah? Where, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, ain't none of that. No, no ad libs here. <laughs> Come on, Travis. All right. Um, um, Un- the unfortunate circumstances that have happened at his last concert, there is at least eight dead. Um, but I'll read this article about someone who went to a concert in 17 and is now paralyzed. <clears throat> Man paralyzed at 2017 Travis Scott concert says he is devastated for the Astro World Festival uh, ongoers or victims, excuse me. Um, he stated that a man who claims he was paralyzed following a 2017 Travis Scott concert said he was devastated for victims of the Astroworld Festival, according to the statement, uh, a statement his lawyer shared with Rolling Stone. Uh, at least eight people died and 300 were injured in a mass casualty, according to officials, after a crowd surge during uh, Scott's performance at his annual Astroworld Festival on Friday. Houston Fire Chief Samuel Pena told reporters at a news conference that a crowd was over around 50,000 people. Uh, four years earlier, Kyle Green, 27 years old, attended Scott's April 2017 concert at Terminal 5 in New York City. He was reportedly pushed off a third floor balcony during a performance. Rolling Stone reported that Green said uh, he was forced over the third story edgy edge amid a severely crowded event. Uh, according to the suit filed six months after the alleged incident, Green stated that he suffered several broken bones, including his vertebrae, before being taken off the floor by staff without a cervical collar, cervical collar, uh, backboard, and other safety precautions. The outlet reports. So, I mean, dude, it, it's, it's a pretty fucked up situation. My thoughts and prayers go out to all the victims mm-hmm. of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing, man. I think that what happens at these events is reflected by the energy of the artists. So I feel like Travis Scott is a polar opposite to like a Keith Sweat. If you go to a Keith Sweat concert... It's slow, it's relaxed. You might have a bottle of wine. You listen to Keith Sweat when you're about to get some pussy or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you're trying to re- vibe out and relax. But with a guy like Travis Scott, it's so up tempo. It's so up tempo. It's so fiery. It's so energetic. And that tends to, um, what's the word? Uh, spread out into the audience. Yeah. And I can't blame him for the actions of people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just trying to put on a show. Yeah. Um, but I think that it, it's, is he slightly responsible? Yeah, but fuck, like, he can't control every individual human being there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people are hurting themselves. But he had one line that I wanted to read, um, and he's aware of this. 
And this is off of uh, Stargazing from the, his album Astroworld. It came out in 2018. And this is after that guy that went to his 2017 concert got paralyzed. He said, got new enemies. When you at the top, that's the amenities. Packing out Toyota like I'm in the league. And it ain't a mosh pit if ain't no injuries. I got him diving out the nosebleeds. So he knows people are jumping out the fucking nosebleed section. Mm -hmm. He knows motherfuckers are getting hurt. He even had a documentary on Netflix for a while where it showed like his his whole tour and what was going on. And it showed people jumping. That was a terrible documentary, by the way. It was a fucked up documentary. It was very bad, actually. <laughs> Just don't. I didn't understand it. It was it's like so music yeah. and behind the scenes stuff, and it it was like a YouTube documentary. It it was like um, if it, it just it looked like mental illness or something. Like it was all over the place. Travis Scott's performing, then he's eating breakfast in the next like scene, yeah. then the next scene he's kissing Kylie, and then now people are jumping off. It's like it was everywhere. But if you're a Travis Scott fan, you would say that's the best thing you ever saw. Because it remind you of a concert. Yeah, it remind you of a concert where you snapped your fucking leg because you wanted to jump off the nosebleed section. Yeah. Yeah. But look, ultimately, man, I it's a terrible situation, but there's so much I have to say. But I, I'm sure Keith has to wants to interject here soon. Uh, yeah, I think that when it comes to Hold uh, that thought, I'm sorry. Do you got Freddy Krueger socks on? No. Oh, those are Freddy Krueger socks, man. They could probably see him. Oh, it's got blue at the top. That threw me off. Yeah. It's all Krueger from the bottom down. Go ahead. <laughs> um so they have um <laughs> It's 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 just pure pandemonium. I, I seen one guy. He was uh, it might have been right after the concert, and he was just describing his experience there. And he said, "Man, it, it felt like I was in hell." He said, "You you can't move anywhere. You can't breathe. It's it's like they said, fifty thousand people like compressed on top of you, and every even the furthest person in the back is trying to push towards the front so they can see see what's going on." Um, I I really got scared when I seen when I seen those images of the people uh you know dead being carried off or being like you know pushed through the through the audience and stuff like that and I initially thought about like you know like my younger sister or my brother going to because we're we're all fans of music and um you know they have festivals out here in California like the Rolling Loud is uh is supposed to be I think it's in I think it's at the end of the year or it might be this month. I don't know exactly. Uh, and then they got the day in Vegas and, and all these different concerts and festivals and stuff like that. Obviously, those concerts don't have the same energy. Travis Scott might be performing out some of those. I, I don't know. Whatever. But just my initial thoughts were like, man, I would be uh, so heartbroken if you know my one of my siblings or something were happened to just you know be a fan of Travis Scott and just showed up to the concert just to have an experience you know true, what i mean true, they, true. and they're young they're in their 20s and whatnot so you know that's just you know you just want to have that that life experience to say that i've seen Travis Scott in concert but then you look at you start to look at the videos you look at the guy that was saying it was basically hell when you you seeing um the fans just break into right. the festival not even being let in and um, just the, the sea of people out there and everyone, um, you know, going to the, the social media afterwards, describing their experience. It was just it was just like 
the most terrifying thing I've seen on social media in a long time. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I don't think me, Keith, or anybody who wasn't there can quantify the experience, right? But what I can say is that from a very sample size, when I used to work at Sears when I was 20 or 21 years of age, uh, Black Friday was wild back then. And we're talking about 2007. Yeah, 2007, I believe it was. 2006, 2007. And look, man... <laughs> I remember I was only like 21 years old and there were grown, grown adults trying to bust through the door. There was this, we had this wooden plank that was like a fixed plank that we would stick in the door to lock the doors, like a mechanism that, like to lock it. And we had to put the wooden plank in there so people wouldn't bust through the door and try to get through and get sales on Black Friday. And I had to tell a bunch of grown people while being like 20 or 21, like, hey, dude, you guys got to get outside. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. These people are like 35, 40-something years old. Mm -hmm. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. But I'm like, dude, you guys are about to trample me to get into the fucking store? Get out of here, man. Yeah. And it was wild. It was a very wild time. And I was doing merchandise pickup at that time, which is basically when, you, when people order heavier objects such as refrigerators, washers, dryers, all this shit, I'm lifting these things up and taking it to the customer's car. Mm -hmm. So all day long, I'm moving all this shit all day, and there are people that are pushing and shoving. There's literally fights that broke out in the store. Mm -hmm. um, people had to be escorted, and that's just a sample size. Imagine 50,000 people in one area at one time. Yeah. Security at, at, at an event like that with that many people is basically like decoration. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't control 50,000 people. If all those people said, fuck it, we're going to rush the stage, we're going to get up there, there is nothing security can do. There yeah. is nothing they can do yeah. at that point. Um, another thing, too, that's fucked up is when you talk about whether it's Black Friday or concerts, there is such a wide spectrum of people in the world, and you don't know what they're capable of. And I, and I noticed that people have... Uh, the, the, I won't say the power in numbers, but when there's more people, I think a lot of people get more brave and tend to do things that they wouldn't do on their own. Mm -hmm. Like um, it's been all documented, things such as Woodstock um, and uh, Freakinick. These events stopped due to rape and sexual assault, man, because mm -hmm. people were raping and sexually assaulting women in broad daylight, man. Mm -hmm. And in these events, I don't want to draw a parallel, but you kind of have to because People are on the ground dying during the fucking event and everybody's just walking over them. Yeah. It's, it's like you kind of lose. It's like you're in a trance. It's like you're almost possessed. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go into like anything demonic, but I'm using possessed in a way that you're so possessed by the moment that you don't care about anyone else's well-being. You're trying to enjoy an event that you paid for. And to me, that's just so fucked up. Yeah. And in uh, that Kanye West interview, uh, what? With uh, Nori, he mentioned like the 808s and how there was like this, um, like that same sort of trans or like mm -hmm. that, uh, I don't know, like mesmerizing effect that the 808s have. You mentioned and he, the chakras, I think you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when, and like how, and he was talking about how like it's always like sexual or aggressive, mm -hmm. right? And you, you think about like the type of music that we love as far as hip hop, it's all it's all bass, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You riding down the streets and you hearing people's trunks rattling or even when I went to the J. Cole concert, like when I when I was in there, I could feel my body, not J. Cole's music because he's like, his the quality of his music is better than like 
the other guys. It was it was Moray and Twenty One Savage. The quality of J Cole's not. I'm not saying he makes better music. That's just a, an opinion. But like the quality of it, as far as like the sonics and mm. the way it was mixed and stuff, and sound. It's J Cole's set sounded better, right? Right. Um, but with Moray, it was like literally like like you your ears is hurting and all this kind of stuff. So you could just imagine like the uh like you're talking about the chakras and just how emotionally an eight oh weight um feels when you're surrounded by fifty million people and like you're saying just like a bunch of people imagine like fifty thousand people in there um with all of their inhibitions lowered and you're not even you're not even thinking coherently because there's not really any consequences as far as anything you're doing. 100%. So you could take drugs. Yes. Smoke a little bit of weed. You could uh, touch somebody. You could do all these different things and you know that nothing is going to happen to you because it's not, um, it's just so many people. Like you're just, you're like a pebble on this uh, sand, on a beach. It's a a diluted version of the purge. Mm -hmm. Because the purge is like a lawless moment where you are, you know, allowed to kill people, you know, which is obviously this is all fictional. But imagine anything, any like sample size of that is not good. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to understand that the average person that's just going out into the sea of thousands of people, everybody's not going to be good Samaritans. There are a lot of people that are at that concert to have a good time and that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. And not to mention there are a lot of young people. So you have a bunch of young people whose brains are not developed. And this is through a science, like science has proven that your frontal lobe or your frontal cortex is not developed until your later 20s. So I would assume a lot of these people at these events are 21, 24, 22, 20 years of age. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking probably doing acid and they're, they're probably popping mollies or probably doing syrup. Whatever they're doing, they're probably on syrup. They pass the fuck out. Yeah, that's the tough part, too. It's like it, it's it's unfortunate when like young people like that don't get to learn from there. Right. Because right. it's, it's a person that probably doesn't you know, overdose and all that. And they may be 30, 40 years old now and they have that life experience to say like, man, I'm never trying that again. I'm glad I made it out. But then you got somebody that may be like 20, 21 years old and they like, yo, I'm going to a festival. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do some shrooms. I'm going to pop this pill. I'm going to pop that pill. I'm going to drink a little bit of, I'm going to pregame before I get there. Mm -hmm. And then they get there and that's the last time, you know, that we see them or, you know, that they're alive. And it's, it's just unfortunate, like, um, that we kind of adopt this uh, festival culture as well. Yeah. You know, you, you hear people talking about it all the time. Like, even like, I think Frank, Frank Ocean has the lyrics where he's referencing like doing drugs at, like at, at Coachella and stuff like that. On top of the fact that like the, the type of music that Travis Scott makes is like, he, 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 uh, condones mosh pits you know what exactly I mean? he, he, exactly he, he wants those things to happen and part of that is like it's a good time you know even like with like xxx you you would see like people at his concerts like going crazy and pushing each other and all this kind of stuff so there are certain artists it's kind of like a rock star thing right. you know like there would be a lot of like grunge bands and stuff like that that would be performing in these like hole in the wall spots and it would just be people pushing each other around so they a lot of hip-hop artists have kind of adopted that that type of that type of thing and you know they brought it over here um so it's just kind of this culture mixed with mixed with drugs mixed with a bunch of 
20 something year old kids that are not very um they got mushy brains yeah so the decisions that they're making prior to even getting there on top of the fact that they're um there's this like um not not only the music that could kind of have you in this trance but also like seeing celebrities there's something yes. there's something mesmerizing um, that happens when you see Travis Scott not only on stage but on these it's huge inf- projectors. It's infatuation. Yeah, and then Drake comes out and it's just like you almost you almost lose yourself. And, I, and we were me and Eddie were talking about this prior to the to the podcast. Um, for me, like I've been around, I've been around like some celebrities. Not like I haven't been around like a lot of my idol idols, but I have been around um, some you know some B list celebrities. I guess you would say so. Um, and, and Eddie was saying, like, he was telling me, he's like, man, I can't see myself acting like this infatuated or this, like, mesmerized when it comes to celebrities. And I was like, I would say the same thing, but it there have been situations where I've been super cool and not necessarily worried about celebrities. And then there's also situations where I almost, like, couldn't necessarily think coherently or whatever. So there was a time where I had just got a... a I was at the LAX and I was picking up my bags and uh, I was waiting to get picked up um, to take, take him back to my car because I parked my car at like the little parking lot or whatever. Um, and I was walking through and I seen these, it was like two or three, six, eight niggas just like in the airport. And I was like that, obviously that's, uh, it just, you just stand out like a sore thumb. So I, I'm walking through the airport and I walk over there. I'm like, oh, snap, that's Jalen Rose and Paul Pierce and Mark Jackson, like the guys that were commentating um, on the game or whatever. And it was the playoffs. I think it, I think the Warriors might have been playing the Trailblazers. And I think the Warriors had came back and won the game or whatever. Um, so I go in there and um, I go up and I shake their hands. But what I realized in that moment is I forgot their names. Like, I know I obviously walked over there because I knew who they were, but it wasn't like being starstruck or anything, but it was just that aura, that energy of seeing, like, people that you've seen on TV and stuff like that. So I just say that to say, like, I can understand how people, you know, you had a a Travis Scott concert, you see him running around the stage, somebody that you've listened to a million different times in your headphones and played it in your car, you know, every... um, you know every word on the album, and then you getting you getting that aura. You get around a bunch of different Travis Scott fans, and you're consuming those lyrics. And they're not even lyric like you. Emb- you're embodying those lyrics. You right. know that he. You know you've seen concerts over the past two or three years where people are going crazy and mosh pitting and stuff like that. And you taking that, and you want to be. Um, you want to embody that same energy at the concert that you're at too. I think that's why it's important for, uh, as artists, you have to be more responsible with your platform because the shit that you say, people are experiencing and living those lyrics. Mm -hmm. So if you say, sip the syrup, then I sip the lean, they're going to fucking do syrup and lean. If you say, I did some coke, now I'm with my team, they're going to snort coke. Yeah. This is when a lot of artists say things such as like, look, I'm not a role model. I'm not that person's parent. But you're a whole lot fucking cooler than their parents. Yeah. People are going to be more influenced by Travis Scott than their, their dad named Scott. 
Okay, <laughs> that's a fucking fact, mm-hmm. you know. And these massive events, man. People, like you mentioned, they lose themselves. They get involved in uh, all this shit. And now, what it is too is when you see someone on TV and you're listening to them and they're massive, you have amplified this view of this person. Now, mm-hmm. you you like like oh my god, I can't believe I'm seeing this person in real time with my eyes. When in actuality, that motherfucker is just like you. He yeah. just is living his dreams in front of you. Yeah. See, this is we we have this disassociation. Like another thing too. Like when me and Keith mentioned, you know, we want to do podcasts. We want to get paid to do this. We love doing this. When you tell the average person that, they can't even believe it because that dream is so massive that it doesn't even exist on their radar. Mm-hmm. But when me and Keith make it, people gonna be like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I used to go to school with Eddie." Oh my God, I can't believe me and Keith used to be in class together. Mm-hmm. And like, truth be told, we're just regular guys. Mm-hmm. We just made it in that field. We've reached the apex of that. And and a lot of people aren't used to seeing that. It's so foreign to them that when they get in front of it, they lose their minds. Like, let me give you another example. This is completely left field, apples and oranges, I guess. But imagine being a guy. And you like this chick, she likes you, whatever the case. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I don't like, I'm holding out on sex. I don't want to, I don't want to do that right now. But if Chris Brown walked up, he would get the pussy that day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's because the star is so massive that people get drunk on celebrity. Yeah. And they get possessed by celebrity. Mm -hmm. Not from like a, in a demonic way, but Literally, they're so infatuated with what they're seeing that they get out of character. And what, they, what they're witnessing is driving them. They're not even driving themselves. Yeah. Think about how barbaric it is to be at an event and it's dead motherfuckers on the ground and you like, that's right, yeah, yeah. And you not even notice a motherfucker begging for air on the ground. That's wild, bro. That, that's the thing about it. What I what I think about is fifty thousand people there, and that's just an estimate. Fifty thousand people there, and they say eight people died, and then three hundred were injured. Um, you know how difficult it is to pick out eight people in an unstructured, uh, like group of fifty thousand people. You know yeah, what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah, and, and especially when you're trying to, um, trying to point people in the direction. So one, you're trying if you're surrounding it, and you're a person that's like, "Hey, this person is having a seizure," or "Hey, this person just passed mm-hmm. out," or whatever. So you got to imagine you're trying you're trying to get the attention of an EMT or a security right. guard or whatever the case may be, which it only may. And I don't know the the system for it. It may be like one or two. Uh, uh, EMTs or uh, ambulance or whatever mm-hmm. to every 300. Pe- I don't know. It may be some sort of system like that. But you got it. It's just like it's the difficulty of picking out those people while these people are passed out or having seizures. It's it's almost unrealistic. I I don't think that we should like in festivals. I think they're I think done right there, like in a, a, a really amazing time. Like I could see yeah. my like I I wish I could afford to go to Coachella just because I see a lot of those artists there and I'm like, yo, this it just looks like a somebody a dope was ex- selling grass at Coachella. Really? So Kanye's grass. Oh, well, that's a smart businessman. 
Um, <laughs> but I mean, I could see myself going to certain festivals. Like my boy, he just went to uh, her. Her had a festival up in the Bay Area, I think. And it, obviously, she's an R and B singer. And most of the people on the bill were R and B singers, but. Um, I just I think they're like great experiences just to experience music surrounded by a bunch of people that that are fans of the same type of music that you are. But um, I just don't I don't know I don't I honestly don't think this will change much of anything. I think that this is something this is news because it's the most recent thing. But this is not this is not new by any means. This happens even at Coachella. There are people that pass out from being dehydrated and yeah. you know doing drugs and stuff like that. I think it's an unfortunate. I, I would just I hope it changes something about it. I don't want it to change it in well, a way where we can't have these type of well, experiences anymore. We've already had a case study millions of times. And and here's the thing: <laughs> this is what happens when you choose profit over people. If this didn't work for chickens, why would it work for humans? And let me explain. We seen the documentary, um, Super Size Me, the last one, where they put these chickens in these cages or in these very cooped up situations, and these chickens grow too big, and a lot of them end up dying from being right on top of each other. So if it doesn't work for chickens, why would you do it to humans? Think about it. There's, I don't know about that example. <laughs> it, it is a good example because the chickens are dying, but they say, fuck it, it's cool. We got enough healthy chickens, we can still profit off them. So yeah. what I'm saying is, is they're not thinking about spacing people differently. They're not thinking about putting people and reducing capacity because it would reduce the cash flow. So if you don't reduce, if you're, if you're, if you're actively not reducing the amount of people in a venue, it's because you're trying to reach maximum profit. Yeah. That's all it is. So when you smashing 50,000 motherfuckers in one space and, and a person's on the ground, there should be enough space for when a person falls on the ground, hey, we need an ambulance. He should have enough room to fucking breathe. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why I use the chickens because the chickens, one, they get so fat, they fucking fold over on top of each other yeah, and yeah. it's not enough space. Mm -hmm. That's why they use the word, I guess, uh, free range but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But they're not really free range chickens. They just add like a they little. They open the door. They open the door and not and they open it and then they put a fence on it. Mm -hmm. But there's it's still a bunch of chickens in there. Yeah. And um, the reason why I use it as an analogy is because they're prof they're making maximum profit off of minimal space and chickens. Mm -hmm. And they got this, this this venue is reaching maximum profit, but I bet you in the back of someone's mind, maybe some guy that's that you know um, had the venue started or all the different thinking heads involved are like, well, I mean, only eight people died. Yeah, somebody is saying that shit. Well, only eight but people the, died. Not that big. It it would depend on how they died. Also, if if I'm running right. a festival and someone died of an overdose, that's not. And it sounds harsh to say that's not really my fault. That's true. They're gonna. They're gonna. First of all, if they're gonna be sued, or they're because yeah, they they actually are being sued. They're suing Drake and Travis Scott. But it, this is America. Anybody could be sued, even when there's no real merit to the suit. Um, however, mm -hmm. they're gonna make sure that each and every person that died is going to be drug tested, and is going to have it's gonna be a, a full like analysis of the person's body. If yeah. they had coke in it, if they got Molly in it, if mm -hmm. they got all the 
All the things that Travis Scott talks about, if it's in their body, ultimately they'll be found uh, not guilty, but they'll be found. uh, You died due to civil suit. Yeah, sad, ain't it? Sad, sad. How you know an artist can talk, and I love Travis Scott, but it's sad that an artist can talk about these things, whether it's Molly or whatever it is, and then you end up going to a show and dying of a Molly fucking overdose and passing out. And now you just forgotten. Yeah. That's fucked up. You get his approval. I think it, his approval would be like him speaking about it in his lyrics. And I'm not the hugest Travis Scott fan, so I'm not going to be up here trying to point out lyrics where he was talking about specific things. But oh, I've heard it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it sucks that I think as fans, a lot of times um, you're, you're almost raised by these certain artists like they kind of give you the okay to do certain things like when when I think about artists that I like like Kanye West like I used to dress like Kanye West when I was in junior high you know what I mean I I I just like I love the sample based music so when I was making music I was like oh I want to sample like Kanye West or when I think about Jay-Z I think about businesses and owning multiple businesses and all yeah. these different things. So when you when you think about artists that you really have affinity for, yeah, it's like they they almost um, it's almost like a vetting process for like the things that you would like to do with with, right. you, with do yourself. Um, but a lot of times, like you were saying, when when kids is eighteen, nineteen years old, twenty years old, they don't they can't. Um, differentiate the good things that the artist is speaking about from the bad things. And sometimes the artist may not actually have like any good things that they're talking about. You know, if you're listening to a guy like future, I don't, I can't pinpoint any hit single that he has that is actually conscious. No, it's a lot of drugs. It's a lot of sleeping with niggas, females and all this kind of stuff. So if you're a young person and we're all influenced to some degree, so if you're even if you were influenced in the same capacity that I was, um, you would listen to Future and think it's okay to pop a Molly or Percocet or whatever the case may be. You, you know who I have a problem with that that jumped on the bandwagon with that not too long ago was Drake, and it was annoying when he's like, yeah. "I pop half a Zan, then there's some before." I'm like, "Shut the fuck up, Drake! Mm-hmm. Shut up!" This shit shouldn't even be in. It shouldn't even be in your music, man. I can't tell you what to put in it, but it just seems so off-brand. I don't think anybody anybody should do it. No, I don't anybody think anybody should. I man. can't say just because it's Drake because I don't know what Drake does in his personal life. Yeah. But I just think overall, it's not it's not okay for anybody. To- no, it's not. But it's just weird. Like it's it's like you go from. I'm just saying we should do better. I pop half a Zan. It's like shut the fuck up, man. Zannies is popular, man. I don't. I, the thing I can't say that because I know that. Well, one Xanax is for anxiety, so yeah. I don't know what Drake's mental health is like. So maybe it is a thing that he's you know consuming in that capacity. No, he ain't. Not when you put it in a song and you make it... Look, when you put it in a song and make it sound like a jingle and you try to make it catchy, right? I don't I don't think it's... He's not saying it's for medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just... It's corny to me and it's, and it's too many irresponsible artists that do that. Yeah. I, think, I think the most responsible person with their platform, even though he was a wreck, was Kid Cudi. Mm-hmm. When I go to Kid Cudi's Instagram and I and I click on his 
profile, it'd be people in the comments, your music saved my life, your music saved my life, your music saved my life. And he was going through episodes of depression, suicidal thoughts, and he was transparent about it. He was transparent about his cocaine use, all of that shit, even though he was doing it and he didn't try to make it cool. Mm -hmm. He didn't try to make that shit cool. He had uh, um, issues with mental health and he was very transparent about all those things. Yeah. I think these artists are failing across the board and it's being shown at these live shows. When you got 19-year-olds dying a motherfucking Molly and shit, it's like, come on. You can't, it's certain shit you shouldn't make cool. Mm -hmm. It's certain shit you just should not make cool. I don't give a fuck how many artists run away from, look, I'm not the artist's parents. You got the Cardi B's and, and, and you got everybody, Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion, all these women. Let's be clear. You know how many women out there act like Meg Thee Stallion and fucking Cardi B? A ton of them. Mm -hmm. Wearing the same shit. Everybody half naked. Everybody toxic now. It's crazy. And that's not just to blame female artists. That's to blame artists in general. Mm-hmm. You got women out here that's being influenced to to scam dudes, mm -hmm. scammers. I don't know if you've been catching that the, the city girl, hot girl conversation and the scam. Like this is trash. That shit is not okay. And the thing about it is, it's what sells though. It, when you when you narrow down why all this shit's happening, the kids dying, shit's going on, and Molly and all of that, it it comes down to profit. What's profitable? Let's shove all these motherfuckers in one, in one venue and make max profit. Okay, eight people died. Well, that's not that many people. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and put a thousand chickens in this small square footage. And, ah, uh, oh, well, we only, only 40 chickens died. It ain't a big deal. We're, we're going to eat them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just what people do, man. It's, it's unfortunate. And I don't want to keep reiterating the same point. But if you narrow it down, man, it's, it's just profit. Because Future said he doesn't do drugs. Yeah. How the fuck you don't do drugs and you always talking about it? That's not real, bro. That's fake. Mm -hmm. That's fake. And, if, and my thing is this. I have no reason to call Future fake to his face or whatever. But if he ever spoke on me, I'm 20 times the man you are because you talking about drugs you don't even fucking do. Shut the fuck up. It's kids dying. Because of the shit that you put in the fucking music. And you don't got the responsibility to get out in front of it and tell people not to do drugs. Juice World, you did an album with Juice World, and Juice World died of a fucking overdose, and you my age. How the fuck you 36 and a dude you did a collaboration with is dead now? Mm -hmm. You should be ashamed of yourself. And, and this is the type of shit that, these are the type of kids that are in the fucking audience at these concerts. When is somebody going to take responsibility for it? I can't directly make Travis Scott responsible for this event, but some of the liability is on Travis Scott. Mm -hmm. Some of it. Not all of it. Some of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to follow that up. So, Man, I don't know what happened, man. Mm -hmm. Just It's kind of like your brain starts going 100 miles an hour. <laughs> you start thinking about it, man, yeah. and it's just like, fuck, man, it's fucked up. Yeah. We have to do something. We can't just keep like is even um, the um, this is a more modern message in hip hop. Right. You know? I, it, there there wasn't ever a time where um, the music or the the uh, the medicinal drug or whatever was the chorus. You know what I mean? We were at least in the nineties. They're rapping about 
obviously you're going to have an example and I'm not trying to be like yeah. like literal but I'm saying like the majority of music was um was not about substances that were like killing us in the same way that's as That's that's false. It was the crack epidemic was fucking huge. People were rapping about taking crack. No, not taking crack. That's what I'm selling saying. Selling crack. It's no difference from selling and doing it. It's I still, think that it's still death. It is, but my point is that I don't in the 90s, people weren't, the idea of consuming crack was not the hook in the song. The idea no. of taking Molly's or taking Xanax or uh, Percocets or all these things are the hooks or the catchy portions of a song. Um, and I don't think this is a fad. I think this is here to stay. Mm. And I just hope that we see all these different examples. And I And I also hope that people realize that there are more than one way of making profit in this in this industry. It's you know you you have many many examples of uh, artists out there that are uber successful that are not talking about um, popping these pills. You know what I mean. Wow. So I would just hope that it's it's almost like a crutch for a guy like Future that is actually talented at making music. For him to think that the only way he can make great music is by referencing drugs is kind of it's kind of shame. I think the reference to drug and drugs in any capacity is cheap and I think that 90s artists are just as guilty as these motherfuckers. The difference is is they're doing drugs now instead of actually putting like think about it. A fucking fat Joe, Joey Crack always got some song fucking Pusha T's still talking about crack and he's 40 years old. Yeah. The fuck are you talking about? Nobody even <clears throat> smokes crack anymore. That's a, a antiquated drug. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you got freaking uh, what was I forget was it Master P? I can't remember. May 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 make crack like this. Like it was a fucking hook. Mm-hmm. Like it was a bunch of bullshit in hip hop in the nineties and in the eighties, just like it is now. Yeah. Tons of trash. Um, Fifty Cent, all kind of different artists talking about the triple beam scale and all. It's like, dude, the selling of drugs, the doing of drugs, is terrible. And the unfortunate thing is. The poverish circumstance, the poverish circumstances in which a lot of these artists come from, this is their reality. And this, uh, the unfortunate thing is this is all they know how to talk about. There's no real in-depth things for them to really go into length about. When you got a Kid Cudi and Kid Cudi is talking about, you know, his demons and his demons in his head and, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm in a pursuit of, ha- pursuit of happiness was a song just about different just about uh, basically doing the right or wrong things. Mm-hmm. Just giving real world examples of things. Mm-hmm. But a lot of artists don't, they don't come equipped with that. Like it's certain ones like, <clears throat> I would say Chance the Rapper is a pretty dope artist. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we talked about Kid Cudi. Charles Gambino, love him as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a handful, man. It's not a whole bunch. Oh mm-hmm. uh, man, who's some other artists today that actually rap about things outside of this? Even I mean, Russ was one of the guys Russ, that had the shirt that Russ. you know got everybody up in the got everybody's panties up in a bunch. Yeah, and he wore that shirt at some festival. Yes, about uh, rappers taking pills and stuff like that. Yeah, like Russ is another one. Um, and you know, look, I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite because there's some artists that I really like a lot that that they really don't talk about shit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like I like Schoolboy Q. He don't really talk about shit. 
Yeah, uh, I, like- <laughs> I, I think it's it's going to be hard for everyone to have this. That that's why for me, I I can't equate the taking and selling of of drugs because. Mm-hmm. Part of it, there are some there are some artists that still at 40, 50 years old, they're rapping about selling drugs. Yeah, that's But then crazy. there's also artists that have kind of like graduated from that content. Even like a um, a guy like like early NWA stuff, Ice Cube, or even uh, Jay-Z, who's, you know, obviously a oh, notorious yeah. drug dealer and stuff like right. that. But he, he, that's not his content anymore. Yes. Um and some people have a different take on it outside of like making it cool. Some people right. are just telling their story. So I think that's like that's a little bit different than the people that are um, that are just in 2021 talking about selling crack still. Or I had so many birds flying, whatever. Yeah, know. I think it's just it, it, the unfortunate thing is is um, when you because I mean I go on SoundCloud. Obviously our our podcast is on SoundCloud as well, but. You know, I'll see like preferred, like not preferred, but recommended artists, mm-hmm. and I'll click on some random song, and and the artist usually has that weird like auto tune thing going on. Yeah, and then it's like Percocet, smiling, smoking, and Molly, and it's some reference to drugs and some raggedy fucking <laughs> production in the background. But usually, drugs is yeah. You hear about Lil Xan? Lil Xan said like I'm I'm gonna die. Oh yeah, I seen that. He said, "I'm gonna die." Like, I, he's like, if I, I, "If I keep going, it's like I try to go to rehab multiple times, but I'm gonna die." And I'm just like, "Dog." His name is Lil Zan. Your name is Lil Zan, but see, yeah. living up to that name gonna get you killed. I think uh, I'm not a uh, like an addiction expert or mm-hmm. whatever, but um, I would suggest he change his name because yeah. you are. I mean, you are what you, your thoughts are, right? That's so if a you good call point. Yourself Lil Zan, then you know, call yourself Lil, Lil Recovered. That's a joke, but it's it's, yeah. it's real. L- yeah. Little rehab, <laughs> a little sober, a little clean, <laughs> a little sober. <laughs> uh, it's just a for it's uh, it, it, little detox. <laughs> it sucks that like everyone is we. There's like archetypes, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. And everyone seems to think that. The only way to be a successful musician in hip hop is to reference drugs or, or something like that. It's yeah, not, and, and you know what's sad though is 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 I'll say this before we move on, but um, these type of people exist in all platforms. Like, there's a podcast where they think that they have to talk loud and always say something funny in order to engage an audience, mm-hmm. and you can see it. Like, there's like almost like a script. It's just like the radio guy. Yeah, I wonder who the first person was to do that radio voice. Yeah. I think I heard uh, Joe Rogan talking about it. Like, mm. hey, wait, everybody, how you doing? It's six a.m. in the morning. It's about like who yeah. was the first person to do that? I think that was cool. And think that was cool. And now when you turn on the radio, you hear the same type of voice or the yeah. same type of energy. It's like why you don't talk like that? Why the fuck are you talking like that? This the flame in one hundred three point nine. You're like, dude, shut the fuck up. And where did I get all these weird like? Nicknames for the uh, for yeah. the radio station. This is Doggy Style 107. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this man. is straight up 93.9. <laughs> this is W Balls. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. What's the ones out here? Is 103.9, uh, what is it? What's the ones out here? 94.1. 94.1. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, what's it called? Was it Hot 94.1? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. They had another one back in the day. They don't got it no more. It might be. I think it's like three hip hop stations out th- out here, and it might be some like pop, a few pop stations. The thing that suck about the radio that I can't listen to is they play the same shit all goddamn day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't. I Especially can't when you have a choice. I used to when I worked in uh, errands. What they would do is they would just turn it to the pop top forty uh, right. radio station, and they would just play that all day. And it was cool in a sense, but then you realize like when your when your song is like a hit hit, it's gonna play like once every hour, and then you just get tired of hearing. That's it crazy, but they gotta yeah. stop that shit. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this formula worked for many years, and I mean, I guess it still works now. But the unfortunate thing is, like, times are really changing, man. Yeah, they're really, really changing, and it's like the the radio has not evolved since the fucking inception of radio. Yeah, the, I think that I I would say. That it has evolved in some capacity because it's um, we don't care for the radio itself. We care for the radio personalities. Mm. So, like when you think about Big Boy, Breakfast Club, DJ uh, Head, Hot ninety seven, DJ Head, yeah, yeah, all these guys. We gonna look on YouTube for their interviews and you know what they have to say. Their their takes on. I'm sure somebody right now like, dang, I wonder what Hot ninety seven has to say about this whole Travis Scott concert. I wonder what Hot ninety seven has to say about the Kanye West interview and stuff like that. So it's like we the 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 uh, the personalities have become bigger than the stations itself. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like Breakfast Club was you know was the ones like spearheading that movement. Because mm-hmm. there was some guys that was out like before them, but it was real bland. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Funk Master Flexes of the world and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, but overall, the, the radio, I won't, I won't say it's dead, but it's fucking, it's not yeah. remotely. Like you, you talk about um, uh, the, uh, I won't say characters, but the personalities, like podcasting in general is so more, so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Just based on the fact that there's like so many of them for one, mm-hmm. and two, they get money. Yeah, for sure. Pod, yeah, pod, Rory and Maul getting way more than a lot of them radio people. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a fact. Well, all right, switching gears. Um, recently, uh, uh, unfortunate story about a Raiders uh, wide receiver, Henry Ruggs. Um, I gotta was, use the bathroom, bro. Oh man, you always got to do something, man. Damn. Like I was saying, just Keith could be shitting his pants and be trying to do this with his Freddy Krueger socks on. All right. Uh, Henry Ruggs facing additional felony charges, looking at 46 years in prison. Jesus Christ. Former Las Vegas wide receiver Henry Ruggs will face another set of serious charges in the fatal accident he was involved in early Tuesday. Prosecutors will charge Ruggs with additional felony counts of DUI and reckless driving due to due to the injuries suffered by his passenger, girlfriend, Kiera Janae uh, Kilgo Washington. Um, additionally, a misdemeanor charge for possession of a firearm. Jesus. Additionally, a misdemeanor charge for possession of a firearm while under the influence. A loaded gun was found in Ruggs' car at the scene of the accident. Jesus Christ. That saw a 23-year-old woman and her dog lose their lives when a Corvette 
the former Raiders wide receiver was driving, slammed into their car. Ruggs, 22, initially faced being charged with felony driving under the influence, resulting in death and reckless driving after prosecutors said he was driving 156 miles per hour and had a blood alcohol level of 161, more than twice the legal limit in the state of Nevada. Ruggs faces a total of five charges and, fi and faces the possibility of 46 years in prison if convicted on all charges. Let me be clear when I say this. He deserves every bit of that 46 years. When you make a decision as an adult, and it's unfortunate that Henry Ruggs is a young man, you, you, you notice a common theme of young people getting involved in situations that you can't come back from, you know, and, and it's unfortunate that people can't learn their lesson. But when you get in a car drunk, it turns into a death machine. It stops being a car. And when you're driving 156 miles an hour in Las Vegas, that ain't your first rodeo. You've done this dumb shit before. And the unfortunate thing about it, too, is when you're only 22 years old, you got your girlfriend in the passenger seat, you got a loaded gun in the car. Who the fuck are you running from? Who are you running from? What are you doing? Who's around you? Who is in your circle? There's nobody to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. I think that sometimes money and fame and, and, and celebrity status is the death of people. Like it seems like some people don't deserve it because they cannot assume the responsibility of being a a figure in some sort. If I guarantee you right now, they did a like I, they have a story like on the lottery. A lot of people that won a lottery are dead. Mm -hmm. They fucking died or they went broke. We're talking about people that won ten million dollars broke and dead, <laughs> or they ended up missing. Mm -hmm. It's because people. People want things in life, but they are not built for it. If you if you see like a homeless person and you give him $20 million, he'd probably be dead within a year. Mm -hmm. Just because people, people just don't have it. They don't have the, uh, the, the, the mental capacity to handle a situation like that. And I feel like Henry Ruggs, that was what happened to him. Um, the fucked up thing though now is... The fucking Raiders are in Las Vegas. That's the worst place for a young player to be out of college is Las fucking Vegas. It's so much drugs, so much pussy everywhere, alcohol, and you got money. You should be responsible enough in a perfect world. But truth be told, you are being fed to the wolves. You better hope and pray that you had a good upbringing as a kid because if you didn't, you're going to get lost in the sauce. And there was an, another Raider player recently that got in trouble for a hit and run where he injured a woman. So it's like, yo, this, this, is there a team of fuck-ups over there? Oh, that's not without a question. Yeah. This, this is the Raiders. This is right up their alley. My goodness. People screwing up, people ruining their careers, the, ruining their lives. One of the only decent human beings on that team is Derek Carr, who's from Bakersfield, by the way, is yeah. Derek Carr. You got Derek Carr praying to Jesus and whatnot, and then a bunch of... I think Derek Carr, he, Derek Carr seemed like the type of dude that'd get frustrated during his prayer. He'd be like, please play for my teammates. Man, these niggas stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my bad guy, my bad, my bad. Let me, let me get back to my prayer. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a, it's a, the, it's, just, it's such a sad situation, man. And, and even piggybacking off the Travis Scott thing, um, when you think about it, a person that I, I think she was just sitting at a light, right? 
when she got No, it, I I think she was, but they showed a video, TMZ had it. Mm. And it showed the 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 car, I believe it was a RAV4. Yeah. It yeah, it was a RAV4 and the RAV4 is just coasting down the street doing the speed limit and it showed him and it was so fast that you couldn't blink. Mm-hmm. And he ran into this girl and head on killed, I don't know if it was head on, but he killed the girl, and the girl was screaming while the car was on fire. Her and her dog burned. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, dude. And he, you could see him sitting there while the car's on fire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dog, you, you don't, he doesn't realize how, like, his life is over. I know this sounds terrible to say. He might as well be dead. His life's fucking over, man. Mm-hmm. You go from being a wide receiver, making money, being in the top 1%. To literally being in prison for 46 years, by the time he is released from prison, he'll just want to go back to prison. Because living in regular society at that point is pointless. He's 22. Let's do the math. 22, 32, 42, 52, 62. He'll be in his 60s when he gets out. How many years is he? He's supposed to get up to 40, 40 40-something years. God dang. And he deserves every year. Let me okay, look. We did a podcast not too long ago, and we talked, we talked about drinking and driving and how certain things you can't come back from. And I gave an example of a young man who had, was an alcoholic. He was young. but He was like 19 years old. This kid was so drunk, he drove on the opposite direction of an intersection, ran into somebody head on, and killed them, right? He got his charge reduced down to, down to manslaughter, but he still had to do one year in prison. So he did the one year in prison, but within that year, he had never been in a fight, and he was, uh, uh, you know, was just like a little square, but he had to go to the hospital with the extended the extensive injuries. By the time he got out of the hospital and went in there, he was only like, and, like 130-something pounds, I think he was like 120 pounds or something. He's really small, frail, and he was getting beat up. He's fighting for his life three times a day until eventually four dudes got him in a room, cornered him, and raped him. And he got AIDS. And he got HIV, mm-hmm. right? And it's crazy how one decision, one decision as a young person can fuck you for life. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents, you need to listen to this because the unfortunate thing is, is when you don't have these conversations and you just say, oh, they're young, they're just going to have their fun right now, let them do it. Tell your kid the truth. Hey, look here. If you're going to go fuck people, that's cool. Make sure you wear a condom. Make sure you protect yourself. These are real conversations you need to have. Make sure you're on birth control. Make sure you wear condoms. Don't drink and drive. Make sure friends drive. If you don't have these concrete conversations and you just let people do what they do, your kid's going to end up fucking dead somewhere. Mm-hmm. Your, or your kid's going to end up inflicting pain on someone that had nothing to do. Isn't it crazy how someone's irresponsibility can affect your life forever? Mm-hmm. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But- Just an innocent girl, man. And I, I think that when I look at both of these stories, man, it, it just it makes me so sad because you think like how and not necessarily with Travis Scott, but with this situation, how like someone's stupidity can ruin an entire person's family. I'm sure she yeah. had. I don't know. I I would imagine she had, you know, mother, father, siblings, something like that. Um, I can imagine how, imagine the disdain you would have if you were a Raiders fan 
and you were also related to yeah. that woman, right? You know, you go into the games rooting for him. You might have been excited to that they drafted him, and then to know that that person with you know one stupid night in a blink of an eye just ruined your entire. I just life. like how can you be so goddamn fucking stupid? I just don't get it. And it's like just you were, so selfish. Like you were saying too, as far as the the speed at which he was driving, that was a uh, that was a drunk thing, but that wasn't really a drunk thing. Yeah. When, when I when I imagine people driving drunk, it's not going 156 miles an hour. Yeah. It's swerving in and out of lanes. You right. probably have some perception of what the speed limit is, but the way the way that you're viewing the road and the way that you're viewing your your surroundings is totally different. But driving 156 miles per hour is something that you have probably done before. Yes, I think this guy is com- was completely disassociated from like reality. Mm-hmm. I think that not only was he drunk, but he had to be under the influence of something in addition to him having some type of depression or something. And I'm not trying to bla- give him a mental illness cop out or you know whatever. Because mm-hmm. I'm not absolving him of anything, but to drive 156 miles in Las Vegas, man, mm-hmm. in Vegas, yeah, that's fucking crazy. And then when you get out the car, the girl is screaming and burning, and you sit there and watch her burn. Mm-hmm. She was screaming. They got it on fucking video. Yeah, the dog burning. They laid the girl bar. Like, oh my god, yo, like. That is so wild. I think people really need to reevaluate how serious driving a car is. I think we tend to lose the we tend to lose that feeling. You know that feeling when you first got your license mm-hmm. and how good it felt to be independent and go to the store when you wanted to, or go pick up your friends when you wanted to, or if you want to go on a date, you could do that now because you're an adult, right? You're independent. You could do these things, but we tend to lose like that value of appreciating how serious driving a car is. Driving a car is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Not only is it a privilege, but it is a huge fucking responsibility. And I say that as a truck driver. I've, I haul fuel for a living. I drive a bomb for a fucking living. I know how serious and how important it is to do my job the right way because there are innocent men, women, and children all over the road. And if I feel like, oh, I only got one hour of sleep, I'm tired, well, who cares, I'll drive anyways. That one decision for me to get on the road could hurt so many people. I haven't had a lot of, of, of like I haven't had a lot of situations where I was tired and I couldn't go to work. But if I was tired, I call. I'll call out. I'll be like, "Hey, I can't come in. You got to get somebody else to come in. I didn't get no sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking a risk. That's not worth it. It's, it's it's crazy. And by the way, I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. Have I driven drunk? Have I driven drunk before? I have. Biggest regret of my life. I luckily I didn't hurt anyone or myself. I was about 21 years of age, and when I did it, I had no intentions of doing it. But I ended up getting in my car so I could go home. And man, imagine if I would have hit somebody. Imagine if I would have hurt somebody. You know what I mean? But even in my, in my and I wasn't sloppy drunk, but I was legally drunk. Mm-hmm. But even during that, I was driving the speed limit. Mm-hmm. I was conscious that like, oh, man, I'm fucked up. God damn it. How'd you feel? I felt like I was extra cautious. I mm-hmm. felt like I was... Uh, hyper aware because I knew my awareness was lower. Since I knew my awareness was lower, 
and uh, I wasn't like loopy, but I knew that I was off. I was off my game, man. I wasn't I wasn't mm-hmm. like alert like I should be. And I was looking in my mirrors a lot. I was watching the speed limit. I was driving the speed limit pinpoint, but I was still drunk. I wonder in that situation, does it mention if the girlfriend was drunk too? I don't know if she was, but um, what I can say is uh, whoever his girlfriend was, I, I, I don't know how bad I feel for her or feel or whatever. If I feel bad for her or I don't, I feel bad that she got hurt being in a car with him. But at the same time, like, yo, if this dude, this is not the first time he displayed that behavior. Ladies, please listen to me. Do not get in a car with a man who has done some shit like this. Don't get in a car with a dude that has a loaded gun. They found a loaded gun in his car, too. Mm -hmm. Who are you running from, homie? I think that the thing that saddens me about these situations the most, and there's been many situations in Bakersfield, um, same scenario, is that it's always the person that survives is always a drunk person. Exactly. And it's like, man, if it's the other way around, I would feel bad because a person lost their life, but... Also, you have to. We we know that there's a natural selection that goes on with our lives, and or there's a Bro. there's always a consequence to to our actions. But when it comes to these situations, there's always the same yeah. scenario: the drunk driver is driving right. around, they hit somebody head on. However many people lose their lives, and the other person survives. I'm I'm, I'm gonna say this. It sounds very um, like I have zero empathy, but let me be clear when I say this. I have a little bit of a different perspective because I'm a truck driver. And when you've ever, whenever you've went around, like when you've been across the country and you've seen a lot of people like flipped over, um, you see families that, and and you don't even want to look at the scene because you know someone's dead and there could be a possible drunk driver situation. You kind of wish the drunk driver ran into a wall. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish you ran into a fucking wall and hurt yourself instead of hurt a bunch of innocent people that had nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. It is so selfish. Right now, I could put, say the political correct thing and say, "Hey, I hope no one gets hurt. I hope everybody goes home safe." But truth be told, bro, if you got deadly behavior driving down the road, it's better you than them, brother. You yeah. made the decision to get drunk and get in that fucking car. After that point, that's on you. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I was to hurt somebody when I drove drunk that night. Me and, and my uh, me and my guy was was talking and. We were in the car and we looked at our speedometer. It was like, yo, my car doesn't even physically go 156 miles per hour. That's crazy. To know that you could even reach that speed in the, in that Corvette that he was driving is it just it's not even you can't even fathom that, you know? Yeah, I mean, but this this like you gotta understand <sighs> the world is all about selection. We have speed limits, but we have cars that go over 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we 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 have laws against drunk driving, but we have bars that are open till two in the morning. So the world is all about choices. Yeah. You make the choices that put you in the best places. Like I mentioned before, when I said, "Ladies, please don't get in the car with a dude that you know has a loaded gun," or don't stop being in the car with dudes that you you know. Let's say you like that thug type dude. Stop being around these guys because these guys got enemies. You could get shot at. I know people who have lost children due to the actions of people that wanted to date X and Y. I know all kinds of things that are going on, but at the end of the day, every choice you make can be a definite decision mm-hmm. for literally forever. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't think we realize these things. If I was to, after I got out, the, after we do this podcast, if I was to go to some liquor store and I get three forty ounces and I'm drinking them as I'm driving out of town, I'm dangerous, dude. I may think, oh, I'm Eddie from a Truckers Buying Podcast. I'm a good guy. But truth be told, I'm drunk. My inhibitions have been lowered. I got my foot on the pedal. And I don't even know how fast or slow I'm going because, oh, I forgot that because I'm drunk now. It seems like when it, like being drunk is basically like deleting, it's like deleting alertness little by little from your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the little things that you use to keep you engaged, you know how you'd be like, oh, oh, I left my, oh, here's my keys here. Oh, let me put them there. You tend to forget all those little things that keep you safe while you're driving when you don't, mm-hmm. when you are under the influence. Mm-hmm. This is just a fucked up situation all around. And Derek Carr said, you know what? A lot of people, you know, he's, I forgot what he said verbatim. But he said, if nobody will pray for him, I will. If nobody will love him, I will. And that's powerful to say. He said he probably feels horrible about himself right now, but if nobody will love him, I will. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that's his Christian value speaking. Because the average person does not give a fuck about Henry Ruggs right now. Yeah, you and know, uh, Rick I, Ross's album, God Forgives I Don't. Yeah. That's like the average person. That's the average person. Mm-hmm. God forgives I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's like, yo, it's some people, bro. It was, I remember I seen this was on Dateline. There was a dude that murdered this girl. He murdered this girl, I think he was like 19 or 20 or something like that. And he'd been locked up for like over 35 years. Mm-hmm. And he met the 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 girl's dad, came to the prison to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And the murderer was just like in shock and he was crying. He was like, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it's like, bro, you don't deserve forgiveness. You should get shot in the motherfucking head. If we being honest, you deserve to be dead, bro. Mm-hmm. You killed this man's daughter. An eye for an eye would be a perfect remedy for your bitch ass. Mm-hmm. But this man came to forgive you. It, it, forgiveness is such a powerful thing. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it's it's important on the uh, the victim's end because right. when you when you're harboring those feelings, it could ruin your life. That's true, but I, I just think that there's some things that you will, it will. There is nothing that will soften the blow from a loss like that. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. If I say I forgive you because I, I need to forgive you so I can move on with my life, truth be told. I could forgive you and and pray for you, but I will never forget what you did. Mm -hmm. I will never forget the amount of pain you inflicted on me and my family and and the loss that I took. And what what really pisses me off, and I don't want to say this, but this is reality. At the beginning of 2021, as soon as it hit midnight, somebody died from drunk driving. Remember Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. At the top of the year, motherfuckers don't learn, man. They don't learn. There was a girl a few years ago that died on the first day of like 2018, I think it was. She was a registered, she was about to be a registered nurse. She, I think she had a son. She had so many things she wanted to do and she died because of a selfish piece of shit that could not get a fucking Uber. Mm -hmm. There are too many avenues, too many avenues to not drink and drive. You got Uber, you got Lyft, you got free taxis. There are free taxis on New Year's Eve and you still chose to drink and drive. 
It's, man, my heart goes out to all the CHP officers that got to go to the scene and watch somebody's brains that are smeared all over the fucking sidewalk. Have you heard of that? It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, like a, it's almost like scared straight. It's called red asphalt. Have you ever seen it? Uh, red asphalt is a very graphic um, movie that was made. I think they made one in the 90s, I think, and one in the 70s. And it shows everything that happens from car accidents. And they did this on purpose so people can understand that this shit is not a game. They showed a dude with his head opened up with his brains all hanging out. They showed a dude with his arm ripped off and down the street. They showed everything. And people need to see it. More fear, pe- fact, fear tactics don't work, though. More people need to see brains all over the place. More <laughs> it doesn't people- work, though. Bro, it may not work. Some people, it might. Some you people, might it might. a few people, yeah. You might. But I don't say this to be comedic at all. Like, we, we literally... Some people don't get it until it's too fucking late. Mm-hmm. And this is what I do believe. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to have that mistake happen for you to learn. Yeah. Because the lesson that you might be taught may be a definite lesson. It may be a definite lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that kid that <clears throat> was drinking and driving and hit that person head on in the interstate that now has AIDS, he's got a lifelong lesson that he's learned that you cannot reverse. It's too late. It's too late. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, man. I don't sit here as a perfect person. As I mentioned before, I have drinking and, and drove before, and I'm regretful for them, for, from that. I'm, you know what? I will say this. I'm so blessed that I escaped my 20s without something so crazy happening to me. I'm mm-hmm. so blessed and thankful that I didn't have to end up in jail or dead or fucking in a car accident. Because, like, mm-hmm. man, I could have been in so many situations. Yeah, I've I've had a situation where I was in a hit and run where somebody, two people hit me and drove off, bro. Really? Yes. I I I left the house party, and there was somebody behind me. And thank God I had a car. I thank God that I had a car that was big, and that was had a massive bumper on it. Mm -hmm. I had that Taurus. It was a nineties. I think it was a ninety eight or ninety seven or something. And it had a protruding bumper that was really hard. I came from a house party, and so I just heard like an engine way back. It was a stoplight that was a little bit from the house, <clears throat> and it probably was about nine people at this fucking stoplight. It was a long-ass line. I hear an engine behind me. You know how you could hear somebody accelerating? Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, just not slowing and down. And they're not slowing down. And it's... And it's getting closer. And then I hear a brakes. By the time I turned around, like, what the fuck? I was hit. Boom. Hit me. Rear-ended me. Then the car in front of me, it, it, I got hit so hard. I got rear-ended so hard, I hit the car in front of me. Mm-hmm. The car behind me, I got out like, what the fuck? First of all, in the front, I had a scratch on the front. There was mm-hmm. nothing there. The back of that guy's car was fucking totaled. Yeah, that's always how. I got, re- I got rear-ended before, too, and some girl was yeah. in, in my Jeep. And some girl was in a uh, like a small Honda. Uh-huh. Her her front was just it wasn't bad bad, but it was mm-hmm. enough that she would be um, that she would need to get it pulled out or fixed or whatever. Well, that person in front of me, I hit them. Their shit was all caved in. Both my headlights intact. Not even my fucking license plate was bent up. This is strange. 
So that person drove off fucked up. The person behind me, they drove off, but I could see they had coolant leaking. And when I tried to get out, they swerved around the car and drove off in the fields and left. And I was like, you motherfuckers. But what was funny is I left that night, and the only thing that happened to the back of the of, of the Taurus was the bumper got pushed in a tiny bit, mm-hmm. and I was able to pop the other side out so you really couldn't see like there was much of an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... The thing about it is, is I'm blessed, for one, that I had a bigger vehicle. If you had like a hatchback, I would have been fucked. Mm-hmm. Who knows what could have happened to me? Mm-hmm. But we've all had these... these, and, and I think about other times where I've made it scot-free. And this is just something for people to catch on to, because I don't want to be too long-winded. But whenever you come to a stop, a stoplight, and it's late at night, and the light turns green, don't go. Don't go. Just wait, look left, look right, then go. Here's why. Not even late at night, just in general. Just in general, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Just in general. I always do that. Just in general. Especially down, like downtown, people, yes. they're not paying attention. They may, they may not. I've seen people run blatant red lights. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes. So please take this advice and share it with friends. Mm. If you're at any stoplight, do not go because the light is green. Look left, look right, then you go based on the fact that I have accelerated and a car went right in front of me. Whoosh! They would have hit me on my driver's side and fucking killed me. Mm-hmm. People are irresponsible when they drive, even when they're driving sober. They drive impatient. Mm-hmm. Driving impatient is the same thing as driving impaired mm-hmm. because you're trying to get somewhere so fast that you're not even using your brain. You're not I like a person at a Travis Scott concert. Yeah, basically. You are driving like Travis Scott. You need to stop it. Mm-hmm. Okay? But. Yeah. You're going to um, run straight up into somebody. Yeah. you gonna, Here's the fucked up thing. You're going to run into somebody and hit them and take off running mm-hmm. and then and then fuck around and uh, uh, I, I had a blank mind. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a funny joke. <laughs> try to, you know, try to lighten the mood up a little bit from all this dark talk about car accidents. <laughs> yeah, man. Just everybody be more responsible, please. Please yeah, be responsible. Sure. If you're an alcoholic, please get some help. <laughs> please. Like, seriously. Cause you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself or the people around you, and that that mm-hmm. ain't all right, man. That mm-hmm. ain't that ain't cool. All right, switching gears. Where we at, man? Uh, one thirteen. Wow. All right. Um, Joe Budden comes out as buy, and I put a question mark there. And the reason why I put it there, I'm not buying it. <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the reason why I put that there was because hold on one second. All right. Let me read this just to give this context because I see a bunch of people sharing this bullshit clip around, right? And I also see people saying, I knew Joe was gay. Uh, I knew he was bisexual. And it's like, dude, you need to stop it because you're spreading false information. Um, Here's why people think Joe Budden came out as bisexual. Former rapper and podcaster Joe Budden is trending on social media for coming out as bisexual. But things might not not be quite as they seem. I'm bisexual, end quote. He, te- he technically said on today's episode of his podcast, how do I spread the news? How do, you, how do I spread the word? Yo, listen, I'm like, I like guys and girls. Spread the word. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> out of context, it sounds like Joe, like Button is coming out. <laughs> said, I'm down. <laughs> when you listen to the entire clip, the 41-year-old's comments are a part of a much uglier conversation. In context, Joe Budden 
and his co-hosts are discussing the baby debacle. Um, earlier in the summer, on stage at Rolling Loud Miami, the rapper went on stage and let loose a flurry of homophobic comments. If you didn't show up with HIV and AIDS or any of that deadly sexual transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two, three weeks, then put your cell phone lighter in there. This is just, uh, you know, quoting what the baby said, right? So basically, oh, this guy, he put his cell phone lighter. <laughs> he was fucking stupid. After, after first, the baby doubled down on the comments and went to Instagram Live and his words were meant to call action, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyways... Uh, Elton John. Okay, this is a lot of shit. I want the poly LGBT community. Blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, no. Basically, with Joe Button, why did, they have a Joe Button article about the baby yeah. and Elton John? Yeah. So back to Button says so way down here. So back to Button, who discussed the drama on his podcast and conversation. Button and his co co hosts actually compare LGBT plus community to the mafia and say the community is extorting the baby for for apologies and money to allow him to perform on stage again this is the context in which button came out seemingly as a preventative tactic to keep the gaze off his back (laughs) so i'm down so basically look let's be clear first and foremost i think that the baby conversation is kind of like dated now I think that me and Keith covered it a while back, and we don't keep jumping over it, which to me jumps to um, Joe Budden's irresponsibility as a podcaster. Well, um, the, they were talking about it because yeah. the um, he had a conversation with the LGBTQ leader or a, right. a company or a CEO or something, Yeah, and they kind of like... The, I guess the conversation is based off of the idea of the guys on the Joe Budden podcast thinking that... The baby had a conversation with somebody. He paid them a few dollars to kind of give him the approval to go back and mm-hmm. do tours and stuff. So that's like the precipice to what he was saying. Yeah. I, I, but <clears throat> here's the thing. Though. You, you have to be more responsible uh, with how you, uh, basically how you respond to it. Because the LGBT community is a community of a bunch of people. Not just these people who work in these high places, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said that basically they're trying to extort such and such and so and so forth. Truth be told, I think it's politically correct to not say anything remotely that pushes back on LGBT plus people, right? So I get it, but at the same time, it's like it's just a whack thing to say. It's it's kind of like, um, look, I'm by y'all. So how can I be down? Like you're basically assuming that. If you come out as bi or given examples coming out as bi or gay, that they won't come after you. When in actuality, we we just seen uh, uh, the uh, old girl from uh, Netflix that walked out. Them tweets got brought up like a motherfucker real quick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's Mm -hmm. like you, even if you gay, if you say some shit that ain't cool, they gonna get you the fuck out of here. Yeah, I think. um, I don't know. The, The conversation to me, it's it it. Even I initially, when I when I seen the, I listen to Joe Budden's podcast um, pretty regularly. Um, when I seen the, because uh, his podcast comes out on Wednesdays and then Saturdays, so I think that one was a, a Wednesday podcast. And um, when I seen the clip circulate, now I, I clicked on it, and I was like, oh snap! But that's what it like. If you just watch that clip, you would that's the assumption that you would make. You would you uh-huh. would assume that he was coming out coming out of the closet, but 
um, for me, knowing that you can't really uh, cut up a podcast like that because it's a they're they're talking for two and a half, three hours sometimes. So, and also I I, I also have a podcast, so I know that if you right. just chopped up a clip of something that we said, it may not give you the full context of what was going on. Keith would look like an Asian hater if you did that. If you just It'd got probably all the, be true. All the, all the clips of him saying things about Asians. Yeah, I hate rice. <laughs> be like, damn, this guy is racist. <laughs> I'm telling you, anything out of context will make somebody look bad. Yeah, like like Asians and rice have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, so when I, when I first seen it, I, I I seen it, I jumped on. I wasn't necessarily like full head on, like, oh man, this nigga Joe Budden is coming out of the closet. Like right. this is going to be a huge thing. I um, seen the clip, and then I think I had texted Eddie, and then I had immediately went to uh, watch the video on YouTube. <clears throat> and then when I looked in the comments, somebody had already put the, the time signature of, of the statement. So I mm. immediately, it was like 50-some second, uh, 50 some minutes. So I jumped to it, and I seen like the totality, and then I had went back a little bit just to get, get the full context. And then I, you see that he was actually just um, making a statement versus actually coming out. And then you could tell even in the conversation, he wasn't even aware of what that was going to do. Because it was a casual, it was like, hey, I'm bisexual. And essentially saying like, you know, um, if I am part of this LGBTQ community, like I won't get extorted. I won't have to worry about this cancel culture and stuff like that. Um, And then it just moved on. They literally didn't mention it at all afterwards. And he probably wasn't even aware of it till he started seeing his name being mentioned and people call he said people's calling him, consoling him and all this different stuff. So his yeah. Yeah. His, his baby mama his baby his uh, baby mama said, uh no it's not, it's not his baby mama, this is his ex. ex, yeah. His ex said, um, well, um I he said, I don't think he said no what's he say? He's not gay, but he's definitely a a woman beater. <laughs> that's crazy. That's oh that's heavy right yeah. there. That's tough. But uh, somebody else said, like, they said something like, ah, I always felt he had some, like, gay tendencies or something. That's how you know, like, it, even if you break up with women or whatever, like, when they come out and keep saying stuff about you, bro, like, how much of it is on, how much of it is you? That the, you have, our breakup was so bad that you feel like you still need to mention me in any capacity. Right, yeah. right. Like, Sweet. don't even talk about it. Yeah. I, it, he, I, at least on Joe Budden's end, I don't hear him bringing up these different women. No, so I'm sure just, that they got some shit that they weren't very great at themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, man. I just uh, think overall, like we, I, I can't, I can't even blame society um, in, in this case because it's it's literally what he said. But I, I think that um, what I can say about society or just the Twitter or the internet or whatever is they're just idiots. Like yeah. we, we have to understand that nothing is just the minute clip that, that it says. Like you could, there's a, there's a song um, that um, when, when uh, I think with Cameron and Jay-Z was beefing or the whole Dipset and all that, when they was beefing, there is a song that they made um, and it said... Basically, they cut up the audio and it said, I'm, I'm a biter, I'm not a writer. Like, and they just kept repeating that, I'm a biter, I'm not a writer. And they just cut up a song that Jay-Z has. And in the song, Jay-Z says, um, I'm not a biter, I'm a writer for myself and other. Right. If I say a big verse, I'm only bigging up my brother. 
but they cut that up to make it sound like Jay-Z said that he bites off of right, other artists and right, stuff like right, that. Right. So I say that to say, like, when it comes to these clips, without context, without knowing that some things can be manipulated for the sake of the internet, um, it can look a certain way. And yes. I think that we, like, we, we'd be... F- We'd be fools not to understand the the, the capabilities of, of social media and, and and Photoshop and all these different things. Like we 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 should be skeptical of of anything that comes out. You know what I mean? Whether it's a, a interview, excuse me, or um, a statement, a, a audio clip, or whatever. Like let us. I think we should be more aware now that we should look at the full f- spectrum of things. But the problem with us nowadays, we don't want context. We just want we want to be. People like to be spoon-fed things. Like that's the problem with politics too, is the fact that people see no wrong in what they're consuming. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 only way you could remain, um, the only way you can have integrity in in general is if you challenge the things that you even believe in or don't believe in, mm-hmm. and you actually do research on them to see how much validity there is and what people are trying to force feed you. Mm-hmm. Like. When you seen him say that, and you, you you shouldn't just share a clip of somebody coming out. Like it would it hurt you to like go to YouTube? Would it would it hurt you to actually go listen to the content? If you feel if you feel strong enough to share a video of Joe Budden coming out as gay, then why wouldn't you go and actually research that why he even came out if that was the case? Or look at just look at this full coming out story. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. It's just people like to share stuff. People are they want to be the first to report things. Like they people act like news reporters. Like they want to be the first person to share it, even if it's inaccurate. I, I think what happened in that case, um, just from seeing it and knowing that most people didn't listen to the full podcast, is that one or he he gets like I don't know how, however many average people listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. The first person that popped it on right at whatever, 8 a.m. or whatever, whenever the video dropped, they cut up that clip and then they went straight to Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then most of the people that retweeted it and whatnot, they don't listen to his podcast. They're probably not even fans They're of his casuals. podcast. They're casuals. There just, you go. They just know that Joe Budden has a podcast. Yep. So when they seen that, they like, oh, and they retweet it. And it is just like a, it's like an avalanche after that of people responding to just that clip um, and not necessarily responding to everything that's going on. Yeah. One thing I will say too is that um if he did come out like so what? Right. It's not going to change anything. Like why why is there any sort of like negative a thing? Like if he if that if that was really what happened, if he really said, "Yo, like, you know, I've been hiding or I've been in the closet for so long." Like how disrespectful is it that people are like, "Yo, his ratings is down. He's just trying to like salvage his podcast and stuff like that." I don't know. These are people that are just like it's confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. They're just looking for something to confirm why they don't like Joe, <clears throat> and that's what they did. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, not to not to mention freaking um, yeah. I think the listeners, like the people who really do rock out with Joe, don't just believe anything. They'll be like, "Oh, I got to listen to this episode." Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I got to listen. It's just like a Trucker's Mind podcast. Podcast starts going viral. They chop up a clip of me. Cracking a joke that, uh, uh, like a racial joke, and they're like, "Man, he a racist." Everybody that listens to the podcast and be like, "Eddie ain't racist." Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Like, this is just how they joke around. It's, yeah. it's in a joke, but they'll 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 literally go, and there are some people that will go back and scan through podcasts to try to find something offensive, mm-hmm. and it's sad. 
Mm-hmm. The same people that go look for old tweets or whatever yeah. because it's all confirmation bias. This, yeah. the, these are the same people that wanted to cancel Kevin Hart for an old joke he put on Twitter in 2011. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really give a shit. I think this is a people problem, not a Joe Budden problem. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Budden was just being just doing what he loves, speaking on his podcast, yeah. giving an example. Whether I agree with that example or not. That's not important. That's his platform. Do you know that we went to Joe's platform to judge Joe? Mm-hmm. Do you know that? Yeah. We went to his platform. <clears throat> so here's the thing. That's like turning on the Trucker's Mind podcast and confirm your bias that you don't like us and, and clip something up and turn it off. Like, you came to my house to judge me. One, one thing, too, is all you did was make his pop podcast. That was just marketing for him. Yeah. I wonder and what he's his not even wor- like. He's not even worried about that because if you know if you if you know what you're saying and it got misinterpreted through the mm-hmm. the internet or whatever, he like, oh, this is just a little bump in the algorithm. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's not trying to prove himself not gay either. He's just like, whatever. Yeah, and the next podcast he came out and he's he didn't even say that he didn't really say that I'm not gay. He's just like, Well, y'all like if y'all are thinking that, y'all don't Spread really Spread the know word. Me. Yeah. Spread exactly. the word. Exactly. So it's just like I, I when I seen that, I was like, yo, I almost wouldn't mind having one of those moments. What if he what if he just like lost his mind on the next episode? Like, for you motherfuckers trying to call me gay. I'm not gay. Rory and Maul is gay. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of them motherfucking Rory and Maul. <laughs> you making my ratings go down. I had to come out as gay the last episode because you motherfuckers didn't want to listen to me. <laughs> be a little, little ablet pop up Pump pump it up Yeah Somebody said that That gives a whole new meaning To pump it up <laughs> Pump 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 mm-hmm. from the back <laughs> That's yeah. crazy Joe Budden is crazy man But I think If I if I was Joe Budden In that situation And you're very secure With yourself And then also It doesn't even matter If you're gay Just because of It's 2021 Who cares Um you like, yo, this is cool. Right. Like I get a little little extra traffic to, to right. what I got going on. I'm, I'm, I'm Tupac secure. Hmm? Uh, I, I, I fucked up. I was gonna say I'm Tupac secure. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> there you but go. I ended up saying his name. The that's wrong a good t- that's a good podcast title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tupac secure. <laughs> Tupac secure. Yo, Wax is fucking hilarious, yo. Wax said on the podcast. He said, oh my God, Wax, they was like, they was getting going back and forth on Bullying the Beast. Shout out to Bullying the Beast podcast. But they was going back and forth, and he's like, oh my God, Wax, you are so insecure. He's like, I'm not insecure, I'm out of cure. (laughs) (laughs) Wax is an idiot. I never, what I love about Wax though is Wax never tries to act all intelligent. Yeah. He'd be like, what the fuck is it? Like, I don't know nothing. Yeah. I don't I don't know nothing. Look, I'm not I don't know all that shit. <laughs> and I respect that about wax more than anything. Cause some people get on these microphones and they try to act they like know it all. Yeah, they try to act smart. They try to say certain stuff and it'll be completely fucking wrong. By the way, I don't I'm not trying to make it like I've never said anything inaccurate on here. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I'm batting at a pretty uh, you know, I'm batting over three hundred right now. There you go. That's you know what I mean? Little, that'll get you to the Hall of Fame. All right, that'll get me there. Yeah, yeah a couple RBI, <laughs> a couple RBIs, you know. Yeah. I was thinking about uh the conversation we were having about rugs. Um and just the I think about like our journey, right? And you know, if you if you believe in some sort of divine entity or a higher power or something like that, I always thought like 
I'm 29 years old now, but I always thought that um, that your success is given to you when you can handle it, handle it for the most part. So, you know, you're saying when you were 21 years old, you were drunk driving and stuff like that. And I had, I was probably, there was a situation I had when I was maybe like 18, 19 years old, um, where I got, I was, me and a couple of my friends were driving to LA and I had, and I didn't even know these people. I was just going up with my other friend, but we hopped in the car with these guys. They were drinking and smoking weed while we were going to oh, to L.A. And I, I was super uncomfortable in the car ride. Um, but also, you know, you 18, 19 years old, you don't want to you don't want to be the like uncool person that's like, right. yeah, yo, like let me get out of the car. Obviously, now in my current state, I wouldn't do that. But you just think about like the the kind of stupidity that you know you carry with you at that young age. But I just feel like sometimes like especially for me, I just feel extremely blessed that the time in which I'm reaching like the, the, the successes that I desire for so long in my life, uh, I don't have a mushy brain no more. Like That's I can, right. I can clearly make decisions. Yes. I'm not out here just, you know, doing stupid. I'm not going to be signing no 360 deal. I'm not yeah. going to sign a stupid contract to where people own my likeness and all this kind of stuff. Like I'm yeah. clear headed. I've seen all the people... Uh, make the mistakes before me, and um, you know, you know, it's funny too. What I love about being, oh, being present. I, I would, I would say, in your thirties, when you've, when you've taken the time to not only to better yourself, but like mentally, and you, and you, and, and the fog has completely cleared, and you can make very conscious decisions. What's hilarious is when people think they could get over on you. Mm-hmm. Like when they when they say little subtle things to try to lead you into making a bad decision, and you'll be like. Oh yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, oh, uh, um, oh, and then they present this whole new thing to you because they try to get over on you. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, motherfucker, you're not about to get over on me. Yeah, man. Maybe, yeah. maybe when I was 19 or 20, but yeah. I, at 36 year old Eddie, bro, you you better off just coming at me correct from day one. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, otherwise, you ain't gonna, you ain't, ain't nothing gonna happen here, it's buddy. A, it's, I mean, like, like I, I don't want to keep repeating it, but I, I'm just so blessed because I see any. There was an article that came out. Uh, in Rolling Stone about um, about Summer Walker's contract, and yeah. it was like it was like some industry execs and lawyers and stuff that had looked over her contract and said she had one of the worst contracts that they had seen in a long time, oh like just God. unfair splits, not not owning her masters and stuff like oh that. Oh my God! And she signed that in like 2018, so that's not even that long ago. <sighs> so like, recent. Yeah. So I just oh, say that no. to say, like, man, like. You know, I just I feel so fortunate to see all these different things and be able to just navigate and through the nonsense. Do you know the extent of it? Like how many like uh, how many projects does she have to make? You know? Uh, I don't know if it had a a number. It might have been like four or five, oh if I remember God. correctly. She said it, they said she was getting like fifteen cent on every dollar earned. Oh my! The issue that God. I that I the interesting part is the guy that runs the label's name is Justice. Um, he's frequently on Joe Button's podcast. Wow. Joe, Rory and Maul actually had a conversation with this guy about Summer Walker's uh, album. Rory and Maul, like, I think they were talking, like, in, in some sort of capacity, like, referencing, you know, how the album sounds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then only to have the same guy. This, this, yeah, this article come out basically saying she's in this terrible deal. She, They said she got, like, 
$110,000 advance, which is like nothing, not nothing. It's if you get that small advance, you're going to want a bigger split of the pie, right? Mm -hmm. Are you saying like, I'm not going to take much on the front end, but if my royalties or my split is much bigger, then that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. But normally, like, you know, some guys getting like one, two, three million dollar advances, but she got 110 and then she got a terrible uh, split on the back end too. Oh my God. So- and to think, like you know, her first album went platinum, platinum and stuff. So she definitely recouped that money, but it's uh that back end is weak. You know what's funny too is is you know how they, that dude's a piece of shit because they made sure that they fucked her at any of every angle. Mm-hmm. And you know the fucked up thing about the music business is it's very very predatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like it's crazy how the person who creates the art benefits from it. Over not even just screwed over. Where in the world does it make sense that the artist benefits from it less than the label? The label's getting the chunk of something they never created. That's everywhere, though, right? Yeah. When I was making hamburgers, making McDonald's a lot of money, I was getting nine-something, nine-fifty hours. And I think that's the reason why back then you had sex with your coworker, because you just is... What happened? I'm just playing. No, that- <laughs> we talked about that already. Yeah, but I think that's probably why, man. You know, unfortunately, when you don't get any um, any type of uh, no kind of compensation, then something yeah. has to happen. Yeah. How old was you there? Like night, like twenty? When I was 20? there, um, like twenty, twenty three, twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, man. Somewhere in there, yeah, yeah. That's a trip, yeah, man. It sucks. It ain't. It ain't right. It, just, it doesn't make any logical sense for someone to get more money than me that they didn't have anything to do with the creation of yeah. the content. Mm-hmm. That's that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That is hilarious. But it's like, yo, um, that's kind of why, like, as far as podcasting is concerned, I'm so blessed that other people are making money. They're signing deals and. We don't know where we have an idea. Like, call her daddy got sixty million dollars. Yeah, sixty million dollars. I forgot her name. Um, fuck, forgot her name. Anyway, <laughs> it's Sophia, and then it's the other girl. Sophia is one that got kicked off. Yeah, you got Rory and Ma. They got they got what ten? Like ten million. Ten million. <sighs> I know. Um, we don't know the numbers for like the Black Effect people. Yeah, I don't know. Kept under wraps, but they. There's there's people on the black effect that are not much like getting much more like listens and views than we are, mm-hmm. and they getting that advertisement money. Yeah, I know. So yeah, it's uh, it's right around the corner. Some people man. do a bad. I'm not gonna say who, but some people do a bad <clears throat> job of doing ad reads on their podcast. Like yo, yo, check this out. Yo, get better help. You know what I'm saying? Like if you get better help, if you get this, you nah, can do the that. worst you know what I'm is. <laughs> Uh, you already know it's a million dollars worth. Oh of my game. God, Wallow is the fucking worst ad reader I've ever seen. <laughs> look, man, listen, man, look, man, look, man, listen. I'm talking man. about. I'm talking about. If you can't make it to the fourth quarter, I'm talking about. I'm talking about no stroke game. I'm talking about sucking sex. I'm talking about terrible and bad. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. <laughs> get you some of these pills. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I'd be like, dog. Roman, Roman swipes, man. It's called Roman swipes. Look, 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 man, listen. Listen, I did a lot of years in the penitentiary, but like now that I got out, I'm getting that poo nanny. So I got to get to Roman swipes. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, listen man, listen. You're like, God damn. 
I'm talking about even if you're jacking off and you don't want to bust that fast. I'm talking about put the rum, put the Roman swipes down there. Take care of yourself, and you could jack off a little bit longer. I'm talking about I'm talking about taking care of yourself. I'm talking about I'm talking about sensual. I'm talking about sexual. <laughs> I don't care what you're selling. I ain't buying it, bro. I don't care if you're selling water. I don't want it, man. Yeah, New Amsterdam vodka. Oh my god, that's the worst one. I gotta I gotta flash forward to that. It's so terrible. A proud sponsor of this podcast. New Amsterdam vodka. Only distilled 15 times. <laughs> filtered 30 times. With that cool, crisp finish. A lot of times when Tootie at the house, <laughs> make an Amsterdam mule. Shout out to the New Amsterdam queen. <laughs> she be mixing it up with her girlfriends at the house. And it's like, he can't even... It's Oh my God, it's the that, worst ad. I got a... I got a uh, I got a um, screen recording of one advertisement, Wallow Red, and oh my gosh, Whoa. that mug is hilarious. He just couldn't say words. <laughs> it was certain <laughs> words that he just couldn't pronounce. And you know, sometimes when you mess up, you say, like, say he's reading something like, maybe the sentence is, he literally uh, ran through the door. Mm-hmm. He was like, he literally ran through the door and he just kept going like he didn't oh stop and correct God. himself or nothing i yeah, think you sent that shit to me yeah, i was listening yeah, yeah. i was fucking dying it's <laughs> oh, probably man. the funniest thing that i've seen in a minute illiteracy will never stop being funny <laughs> that is always funny to me while was a guy we picked on no he's not gonna know where we at one and second he gonna screw up so many words in that <laughs> yeah. book yeah you know honestly like they're, they're i'm sure they're getting paid for that shit for sure for sure but preferably, I'd rather have sponsors on here that I use. Yeah, like and because it makes it more real. Mm-hmm. If I let's say I have there's a meal prep company, and I've eaten your meals and they're good, I say, hey, look, man, since before we even had them as a sponsor, I've been eating their meals since 2017. Yeah, you know, I reached out to them and they said, hey, we're good. Let's let's do it. We'd love to be a sponsor because they make great food. Yeah, and then I'll just do a regular ad read. I could even I could even give real life accounts because it's very natural and very organic and it's very truthful instead of being like uh, I think brilliant idiots they have um uh like an ad I think it's called my blue it's like a um like a vape mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to do that yeah yeah exactly Boost Mobile <laughs> I, I I wouldn't want to do Boost because I used to work. I used to work at a call center back in the day that was Boost for Boost Mobile, and the service is fucking horrible at Boost. And they're like, Boost Mobile, only for $50 a month get this. Nigga, I would never want to promote Boost Mobile. Yeah. That's the worst fucking service ever, man. I was telling you, too, like how we did like the Shasta commercial and stuff right. like that. It would be dope if we just had like... We it's because they read them every single time. It kind of gets... Every single time it gets yeah. mundane. But if we have like repeat... Um, Thing or maybe they give us uh, ad dollars over the course of like three months or something. Yeah, like we put some of that budget towards shooting like a commercial, and then during the podcast we could break to like the Shasta commercial. Hell break yeah. to you know what I mean. So it just kind of switches it up, not being the same formula to where we just reading the reading the little articles or whatever. Yeah, but the funny thing about Shasta is they would be dumb. It would be dumb for them to remotely invest in any podcast, like at all. Because Shasta sells itself. Yeah. Like, they don't need any help selling Shasta. Yeah, I don't think they need any. They don't advertise they, or anything. They don't advertise. They just show up to the party. Yeah. But and, they but they and, also know that they're going to be 
a couple of shelves below the actual name brand stuff or on the other side of the, the name brand. But they stuff. don't need any help, Keith. Keith, they have names like Dr. Thunder. They don't need us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Dr. Thunder doing good out here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much that company is worth. Bro, I don't. I, it's I'm probably billions. I say some billions. I say billions, dog. Maybe, man. You know how many people are diabetics right now because of Shasta? He's drinking them Shastas. I, I'm surprised Shasta hasn't been on a commercial. Did you drink Shasta soda from 1990 to 2000? You might be eligible for legal <laughs> compensation. <laughs> Did you lose a foot by drinking Dr. Dr. Yeah. Thunder? Are you on your deathbed from drinking Dr. Thunder? <laughs> you may be eligible for legal compensation. <laughs> Press one to get through our lawyers. <laughs> That's crazy. That'll be nuts. They'll be like, "Did you take the COVID vaccine and drink a Shasta at the same time?" You may be eligible. No, it'd be like, "Did you have a reaction?" You may be eligible for legal compensation. <laughs> and it's always that same. Um, um, there's there's a like a a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I forgot his name. It's a Mexican guy. I think it's something Pena. Uh-huh. He he picks up people's cases sometimes pro bono if they're like large profile cases. Oh, he gonna he know he gonna eat on the end, at yeah, the end. Of yeah, that. he know he gonna eat on the end mm-hmm. of that. Like, Sometimes oh. they be taking like 30, 40%. Yeah. Like oh, my yeah. goodness. They'd be like, oh, somebody is being racist? Give me a call. <laughs> is somebody being racist towards you for no reason? Call the law offices of David Pena. Have you ever been called the N-word or nigger? Call me. <laughs> you actually say it on a commercial? <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Are you still being called nigger? Press one. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Yo, can you imagine that? If you press one, it probably you like as soon as they answer the phone, you probably hear a loud ass call center in the background with a bunch of other employees. <laughs> you hear people in the back, oh, you got called the N-word too, sir? Okay, hold hold just one moment. <laughs> oh, bro. You know you can never prove that though. That somebody called you an N-word. You can't prove that. Yeah, it's just I guess it's just evidence based. You know, you I don't have think, different accounts of people. Nobody really says that anymore. Nobody really says the N-word anymore, man. But Desmond, it, and, Desmond, and, got a, Desmond had a lawsuit. Really? Where? Yeah. When he was working at um, Cow Ranch. Oh, wow. Well, mm-hmm. people say it, but they say it in the comforts of their own home. No, they, call, they called him that. This is what the lawsuit was about. Wow. Oh, so at, many different occasions. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, they called it. It was, it was like a... A long laundry list of like different racist stuff that they were doing, but oh casually God. though, yeah, it was some. You'd have to tell, ask him to tell you. He told me this. some stuff though. He did tell me some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I wouldn't make it there. And you know the thing about Desmond is, is what I love about him the most is not only my best friend, but just his energy and how he's with with people. So mm-hmm. I could imagine him like being this bubbly, cool person, and then people taking that for granted, and then calling yeah. him, you know, yeah, yeah, that that happens a lot, especially like. With certain certain people that don't really know boundaries, right? I guess, exactly. You know? you and like you said, they they look at you as like the cool black guy. Like you could crack jokes and stuff like that, and they just keep pushing the boundaries, pushing the boundaries. Because you know they're calling you the N word. Yeah, so, sucks. Yeah, bro. Well, there's that. Uh, where we at, man? Uh, one forty six. I think we should wrap it up. Yes, let's do it. Well, look here, folks. We appreciate you. Uh, for taking the time to listen to us for all these years. Yeah, man. Um, for episode- oh, shout out the person that did the Cash App thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me check that out. The recent Cash App <clears throat> was sent from... 
It was sent from Gloria Garcia. Appreciate you. Shout out to Gloria. Shout out to Gloria Garcia. Mm-hmm. Do you know this person? Uh no. I yeah, I, no. I I know her like through social media. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Shout out to Gloria. Not like from personally, but mm-hmm. regardless of what that relationship is, I appreciate her for taking the time to donate yeah. to the platform. Hard-earned money, man. Means yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Means a lot. Thanks a lot for Anyone else who plans on donating to the mm-hmm. in the future or will, and we're not asking you to do it, only if it's on your heart. If it is on your heart to donate to the platform, mm-hmm. it genuinely helps us out. We don't have any production team. We do everything in-house ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a hell of a help. If you're driving down the road and you're listening to us and you're like, wow, I really want to help these black kids. I want to donate, I want to donate and I want to adopt Keith. <laughs> just go ahead and uh, hit up the cash app. It's <laughs> ATM pod, like ATM, yeah. but A as in Apple, T as in Tommy, M as in Mary, P-O-D. Especially if you like an Angela, Angela, God dang, Angelina Jolie. Type oh, of person, you know, one of them ones that want to donate a little black kid, a little African boy. I'm, I'm right here for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, she does donate. I'm not donate. She does uh, adopt. adopt. Did I say donate? No, no. Oh, I don't okay, think you did. Yeah, I just think our brains are just starting. to Yeah, yeah. It's almost about that time, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So if you if you do see me or Keith out there and you would like to adopt, <laughs> uh, please go ahead and go to ATM Pod. number right here. Yeah, <laughs> the number across the screen. <laughs> It's, it's it'll be at the at the bottom of this video once we drop it on YouTube. The the yeah. cash app's always there. It should be there. somewhere over here. Yeah, it should be towards. It'll be to my right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's that. Um, thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K. Fing. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>